As the world settles into its new normal, professional and business services firms are looking to rebuild their teams for the future. But hiring and retaining top talent continues to be an ongoing challenge. On this episode of the Workday Podcast, I'm chatting with Jeannie Yurick, Managing Director at Service Performance Insight, about some of the top challenges, workforce composition, and hiring plans that the industry is dealing with. Thanks for joining me today, Jeannie. But before we get started, can you please tell us about your background and current role at Service Performance Insight? Sure. Thanks, Craig, and thanks for having me today. I'm Jeannie Urich, and I'm the co-founder and managing director of Service Performance Insight. We are a leading analyst and research firm focused exclusively on the global services industry. We're best known as the developers of the professional services maturity model and benchmark, which is now in its 14th year and is one of the most comprehensive benchmarks of key service industries in the world. It's used by over 35,000 service and project-oriented organizations to help measure and improve their service performance. Fantastic. I I guess let's just jump right into it. Can you talk a bit about the uh, professional services maturity talent model and where you've seen the most growth in this past year? Sure. So just as a background, we created the professional services maturity model 15 years ago. And what we did is we created five service performance pillars, which roughly map to the key functional areas that you would find in any service organization. The first pillar is called leadership. This is vision, strategy, and alignment across the organization. The second pillar is about client relationships. This is sales, marketing, and partnering. And the central pillar is what we call the talent pillar where we look at all aspects of human capital performance. Then the fourth pillar is service execution, which looks at all of the metrics for service delivery excellence and finance and operations. Every other year, we drill down into the talent pillar and what we call the Global Professional Services Talent Benchmark. So this is the fourth biannual study that we've looked at the world of work from a services point of view. And it's very, very interesting. In this benchmark, we look at all aspects of human capital performance, how long it takes to recruit and ramp new consultants, how much they're paid, their base and variable compensation, what their target billable utilization is, bill rates by role, attrition, and a host of other metrics that are all tied to human capital performance within the consulting industry. Great. And so as we look at that talent model, where have we seen the growth really coming in the past year for talent? Well, it's kind of interesting. This study was conducted right smack dab in the middle of the most awful year any of us have experienced, which is 2020. So we did the survey in July and August and then published the results in September. And so it was really meant to be a temperature check of talent in the service industries this year. And what we expected to see was flat to negative headcount growth. But in fact, we didn't see that. As a matter of fact, in the survey, we charted year-on-year headcount growth of 5.2%, which is pretty surprising. 
And we saw that very few organizations were actually going to lay off people. Some organizations looked at furloughs, and certainly there has been some trimming, but it's been more performance-oriented versus a lack of revenue in the service industries. So I think what's really, really interesting, we're now into our overall revenue benchmark. And as of yesterday, for this year, firms are predicting year-on-year revenue of 6.8% increase. Now, that's lower than the 10% that this industry usually sees, but it's still pretty strong. So I think overall, it was quite surprising that, that firms are planning to hire. And the number one uh, talent category that they're looking for is solution architects, which are really the most senior visionary people that help design solutions for their clients. That's really interesting. Very different than we've seen in other crises play out, like like the 2008-2009 recession. You think they're wanting to hang on to this talent potentially as they, they see that there's this big catalyst for change as we come out of this. Well, we've written and spoken about something that we call the war for talent and the talent cliff for over 10 years. And basically, the whole world is moving to a new type of worker. And the professional services industry thrives on people that have not only excellent education background, but strong analytic communication and organizational skills. And quite frankly, there just aren't enough of those people to fill the talent needs of the service industries. So you can imagine that this has continually been a war for talent, not enough of the right type of talent. And so firms have done everything possible to keep their talent through this pandemic. (laughs) A, A brief ceasefire there. Yeah, that makes sense. So we've talked about some of the things that were pleasantly surprising about the results. What are some of the top challenges that were exposed as a result of this study? Yes, this was really interesting. We asked for the firms in the study to talk about their top challenges. And we, of course, expected dealing with COVID would be the top of the list. But in in reality, the two top challenges were growing new leaders and finding the talent required to succeed. So there were more growth-oriented challenges than coronavirus. Coronavirus certainly made the top three. But most interestingly is that the least challenging area for all of the firms in our benchmark universe was moving to a virtual work environment. We found that incredibly surprising. And indeed, many firms, we talk to firms every day, have been able to move to a virtual consulting or a virtual service delivery environment relatively without a hiccup. Yeah, and, and we've heard that a lot as well. And, and it's interesting, there, there's kind of been some unintended positives that people have discovered from it of, oh, our expenses, our spending is, is way down as a result of this virtual environment. And it kind of gave this opportunity to reassess a when is it really important to be in person and when is virtual going to provide value w- without the cost? And so uh, we see a lot of firms reevaluating how they look at, at certain business travel and items like that. Yes, correct. For 14 years, we have actually measured the billable hours that accountants, marketing and advertising, IT consultants, lawyers perform on-site versus off-site. In other words, in a work environment or 
the hours that they were able to deliver virtually. And year on year, we've seen the percentage of work that was delivered virtually or remotely increase every year. Obviously, that metric has gone through the roof in 2020. But the, the ramifications for this and for this industry as a whole are incredibly positive over the long haul. The consulting profession is one of long hours, just lots and lots of work, and traditionally tremendous amounts of travel. Mm -hmm. And so what I think is really exciting is that clients are now completely receptive to virtual consulting delivery. And they're finding that their own productivity is better. They're finding that their service provider's productivity is better. And for the service providers themselves, this really opens up the whole ability to find the best about available talent, no matter where those people are located. Yeah, exactly. You've removed one of the criteria. They have to be available to go on site. And now it's like, oh, if, if you've got a few spare hours, we can get you the best talent for this for this customer on this engagement. I do want to go back to uh, some of the items where, where you talked about a lot of the challenges being growth oriented. And I'm interested in how are firms planning to meet their headcount needs? We, we said that some of the top items that these firms are uh, looking for are solution architects. And so are they just using a job profile like this or are they really driving down into defining skills and granularly defining the talent they need in order to support their growth goals? That's a really interesting question. We have seen some of the largest consulting organizations, um, service organizations in the world make some really incredibly big strides in creating what I would call a global jobs book or a global jobs catalog. They're normalizing their definitions of their workforce and they're coming out with a single global view of different roles and the skills that are required to do those roles. And as you can imagine, this has tremendous benefit for the employees themselves. It helps them plot their own career progression, but it also helps them see the skills that they need to grow. And really in this world, it's, it's very much about the employee themselves wanting to grow. But if they can see a, a skills growth path that helps them with their career aspirations, this is incredibly important. And then if that is all married with the available work, you have a, a really great formula for having high levels of productivity, high levels of job satisfaction, and high levels of customer satisfaction because they have the right people with the right attitude working on their projects. Yeah, we see that a lot. The professional services uh, industry, it, it's really um, a self-motivated industry. The employees really take charge of their career here. That's the type of personalities that it often attracts as well. And so not only will that help them meet their hiring needs, but as they define that job catalog and the skills that they need, it allows uh, a vision for internal mobility of how these employees want to get to where they're going. It's interesting to see both sides of that coin on both the recruiting and the retaining talent on how that helps these firms. Absolutely. And then if you can combine uh, not only a profile of the skills, but then combine that with, with the heartland of delivering the work, 
that it isn't just a skill, but it's, it's an actual work experience, then you have a much more powerful resume as a consultant and you have a, a much more satisfied client because you're having the, the people with the right skills do the work. Exactly. And speaking of that, what are some of the tools and technologies that, that firms are using to address this level of disruption on, on how they're looking at their talent and how they're growing that talent and meeting those challenges that you you talked about, providing new leadership and, and developing those leaders and, and then meeting those hiring needs? Well, in our benchmarks, we also ask all of our clients to talk about the business applications that they use to run their business. And we've charted this once again for 14 years. This industry was often characterized as a cobbler's children, because you can imagine our clients are some of the largest system integrators, IT consultants, management consultants, marketing and advertising firms in the world. And, and they're in business to really do digital transformation and disruption for their clients. But yet, as the cobbler's children, they've been kind of behind the eight ball in their own use of business applications. We've seen that really change. In fact, in this year's benchmark, almost 100% of the firms use some type of integrated financial management system. And increasingly, they're starting to use human capital management solutions. This used to be less than 20% of the firms had an HCM solution as, as little as five or six years ago, and now 50% of them are using an HCM system. And also, very importantly, 80% are using a professional service automation solution, which is the system of record for resource scheduling, time capture, and billing. Yeah, those tools are immensely powerful in, in, in helping these companies transform their business and understand their talent, especially in the way that it that it impacts their revenue generating capability. And not to put you on the spot here, Jeannie, but any predictions or things you're looking forward to in, in 2021 for, for this industry? Early results are trending very positive. We're not going to see the robust 10% year-on-year revenue growth that we typically see in this industry, but we do have growth there. We're not going to see the robust hiring growth that we see typically in this industry, but there is hiring growth. I think one of the most beneficial leading metrics in 2020 is that we're experiencing the absolute lowest attrition that I've ever seen in this industry. Attrition has been lower than 5%, and typically it's right around 15%. So we've gone into this mode of not only sheltering in place, but working in place, which has really been good for both employees and employers that there's been more consistency in their workforce. Now, I do expect that to change as we go into 2021, but it's been a year of tremendous stability. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. You imagine that that attrition rate is probably a combination of of employers trying to really retain talent during this time and, and a hesitancy to switch employers at this time on the employee's behalf. And so seeing that accelerate the trend of retaining talent and companies being able to see the benefit of not having that attrition at the rate of, of 14% and the type of revenue that costs when there's voluntary turnover, then what will they develop it next to, to keep that retention going on as we move out of a pandemic in, in future years? And how do you retain talent during a more new normal time? 
Yeah, and Craig, another very positive metric in 2020 is that without all of that huge travel burden that is typical of this industry, people have been investing that in their own training and skill building. So we've we've also seen a big rise in 2020 in the number of training days and training hours that this very large global workforce are taking benefit of. So these are all incredibly positive trends and we expect that that they're going to continue. And we also expect that the acceptance of virtual work will continue. And this has enabled people, for example, to move to lower cost areas of work, It has, of course, its challenges of balancing life and work and finding a line of demarcation between the place where your computer is and where your family (laughs) is. But all in all, a lot of positive benefits are seen for the consulting world of the future. And I think also just in general, the businesses that use consultants, lawyers and accountants are increasingly going to outside outtasking resources. So you're only going to see this industry continue to grow and thrive. Well, thanks, Jeannie, so much for the insight. Really appreciate you being our guest on the Workday podcast. And if you'd like to hear more, please subscribe. Mm-hmm.